In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Impressive, majestic, triumphant words. A great way to bring to culmination everything we've been hearing over the last few days. And St. John's Gospel sets, well, the story of Jesus' birth in stark contrast to that of the other gospel that we've been hearing, Matthew and Luke, especially the gospel according to St. Luke. St. Luke begins this way. Not in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, but rather, and it happened. It's kind of a matter of fact, an ordinary way of reporting that something has occurred. Of course, you probably know the more antiquated version, right? And it came to pass. It makes it sound so much more special. Actually, some translations just leave it out altogether, the Word, thinking it's redundant. Maybe a Christmas story is just a pretense for more family gatherings, a roast in the oven and gift in stockings and under the tree. And it happened. This is not a pretty myth, and therefore it's not redundant to hear the evangelist report matter-of-factly. It happened. If it were a myth, it wouldn't actually be a very good one. It's not all that fanciful. It's quite ordinary. St. Luke tells the story with bold simplicity and no religious overtones, as we heard last evening. The government wanted more taxes, so what is new? That sounds familiar. Caesar Augustus, while mentioned, has nothing to fear from Joseph and Mary, a woman in her third trimester. Caesar is more concerned, actually, with Herod the Great, whom himself was deprived of the title friend of Caesar. Caesar is only instrumental in bringing that couple and their unborn child to Bethlehem. Even Bethlehem's significance is actually on taxable terms because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. We know it means more than that, but as far as the story goes, he and his betrothed and the child, they go there to pay their taxes. Again, just matter of fact. There's no room for them in their relatives' guest housing, and this too isn't a surprise since all the known world was out and about, or maybe some other ideas about that, which you heard last night. And even born in a stable, that's not too bad a place to give birth, given all the hustle and bustle upstairs. All over the world, poor women have anxious times every day. A baby is born, a boy, a poor little guy in a manger. Who cares? And actually, on that night, nobody does except Mary and Joseph. That's it. Nobody else. There's really not much to see. But of course, as you know, that's not all that happened, as we've sung already today. What really happened, you couldn't see just by looking. You could only know it if you were told, and you could only be told by someone who had actually seen it happen. All Bethlehem slept through the whole ordeal. But outside Bethlehem, some were told. And they were told by those who knew, 
those who are sent to bring messages from God. Now, if God has sent you a message, you'd expect him to give it to those who are the ones who, are, who understand these sorts of things. You know, like seminary theologians, the church leaders, send a message to the pastor, the smart ones. But no, the message is delivered to the shepherds, those not likely at all. They're a rough bunch and notorious for their lousy church attendance. Maybe sounds a bit like the farmers, right? <laughs> There's always work to be done. And on that night, it's more than that. They're scared stiff. And who wouldn't be? God was present with them like we heard in regards to the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord. It frightened the people. As the glory of the Lord shone about them, Luke 2. They can't run away, but they can't stand it either. They knew what sort of men they were, and they knew that they would have to take whatever this messenger from God brought to dish out. You remember that angels visiting God's people in days of old wasn't always the most pleasant experience. Everything depended on him, Jesus, and they were defenseless. This was likely the end of those shepherds, or so they thought. But from God, through those angel messengers, came this word, me phobiasta. Me phobiasta. That means fear not. Do not fear. You notice the angels in the New Testament always start that way. It's because they come with messages of Christ, of good news, of gospel greetings. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is born to you a Savior, Christ the Lord. That's it. That's why Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, the governor of Syria, or Joseph, were where they were and did what they did. The good news, it happened. So also when the angel spoke, he didn't describe God's attributes with heady theological topics of mercy and justice or even this transcendent mystery like John does of Jesus, the one sitting on Mary's lap, being the one who made the earth and sky and seas and holds it all together. No, and they, the angel does not offer a way to bend God to their favor by all their renewed New Year's efforts. That they are really just decent people that need to get their act together. Or that the angel comes saying that all the things that they had put on their Christmas list, well, they were on their way. No, the angel's message is just like the evangelists. It's the bare facts of history, simply what happened, a birth, and the identification of the one born, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It happened. God doesn't wait for us to agree to it or to think it's even possible or even to believe it. His word speaks the truth. A Savior, God, Christ the Lord is born. And again, it happened, or so it was. Matter-of-factly, the shepherds go to Bethlehem and find the message to be true. But you remember, the angel with the news gave them a sign. They might have stumbled on some other baby boy born that night. Who knows? Shepherds are no experts. Babies all look the same. <laughs> there would be no nimbus halo 
no glowing aura, no eerie quiet. Jesus was probably crying like them all, despite the, the hymn. <laughs> the only thing distinguishing about this baby was that he was wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And they found that one. That's all we're told. They found him. And that's all that matters. What could they say about the baby? Not much. A baby is a baby. All they could say is that, well, actually, what they were told concerning the child. And then the shepherds went proclaiming what was, what happened, the birth of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It all seems so unlikely that such an ordinary birth could be such a glorious thing like John describes, maybe even impossible. It's actually not that great of a myth. It's an ordinary story. But of course, not with God. Nothing is impossible. Salvation comes from God in his way and as he likes to give it. How can the holy God love us so much? We messy, confused, and unholy mankind. To give his son for our sake, to be our savior? How could he do such a thing? Again, the evangelist, it happened. Or if you prefer, it came to pass. This tells us about our hearts and tells us about unbelief. The heart of unbelief is to refuse to be loved so much and in such a way. God might be able to love others, but not me. Or we may think that we deserve God's love, which is also a refusal of his love in the way that he gives it. But not so with the shepherds. They feared God above all things and received from him the good news. The shepherds listened. They followed, they found, and then they continued telling the message they received. Sounds like the third article of the Apostles' Creed. They took it all from God. What he said had happened, they believed, and most incredible of all, that birth was for them and for all people. That's for you. That's how much God loves you. It happened, and you've been told. And so the words spoken to Mary's baby then are also spoken to you. Not just to the shepherds, to you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear God above all else and hear from him this message. Nothing comes before that and nothing is surer than that. Everything else flows from that, flows by that fact, indeed, is illumined. You have it on the highest authority, it happened. Christ has been born. And for Christ's sake, then God is pleased with you. He loves you. If only we just believed that, surely our hearts would burst with joy. Born to you today, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me out of refusing to be loved so much and in such a way. Let your body and blood change me so that I know and believe how you have joined to me and love me to death and have won forgiveness for me by your death. Help me to learn that in you I am accepted, embraced, restored into complete fellowship with God. And so the shepherds return to their sheep, but as we talked about when we studied this text with the congregation at prayer, they really weren't shepherds not ordinary ones anymore. They had heard God's word and they went on minding the sheep. 
believing God's word that told them that Christ was born for them. Joseph went back to his carpentry, Mary back to caring for her child and her home. We are told, though, she pondered these things in her heart. She pondered, considered, stored up everything that had happened. The birth, the child, and the words that were spoken of him. And maybe she told Luke, so that Luke could report by the Spirit, it happened. Later today, we'll go back to the same tasks, but God willing, we'll go back different. That is where we carry and heed the message in living out our calling. And God will do things through us beyond our knowing and planning, just like he did with the shepherds. There's no need for us to be the hero. Just simply be whom God has given you to be, and we let him be our Lord. Hold on to his words, good words, glad tidings of great joy, words of a Savior who is Christ the Lord in a stable and on the cross for you and through everything. That's why you're here this morning. You came today to hear the good words again, bringing along all the parts of you that will say, well, well, no, not really to what happened. You carried with you everything from this world of death, everything that threatened to wear you down, trivialize your life, or tear you from Christ and his church. Hold on to and ponder each day the sound of those words. That simple word, it came to pass. They will bring you through everything that happens, the hard things and the happy things. We can let these things be the things they are. Family, home, friends together, gifts, food, drink, all the fun and warmth of Christmas, and not try to make them into something they aren't, an antidote to despair or to the emptiness of our heart. The only answer to those things is Christ, crucified, forgiven, forgiving. And so our hearts are now fixed where true joy is found. And the bare report of the evangelist, it happened. And the words that have carried it to you, and to the bread and wine, too, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then return, proclaiming it with the shepherds and pondering it with Mary, while doing what the Lord has given you to do today, with family or friends, meals, and joy. And you'll be surprised, too, when the Lord has things to do with you that you hadn't planned either. And so it happened. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.